Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks. The podcast is powered by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. And here we're dedicated to highlighting fast-growing Aggie entrepreneurs. We want to learn about how they overcame growth challenges with, with creative hacks. And we want to connect them to other entrepreneurs and the Aggie Network. I'm your host, Greg Barton, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your other host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. And today I'm excited to have a fellow class of 2001 grad on the podcast, Jeffrey Palermo, Chief Architect and CEO of Clear Measure Inc. It's a custom software development company in Austin, Texas, and he has got some amazing growth hacks to share with you and just really a great business acumen. So pass it back and listen up to Jeffrey as he shares some good bull. Well, welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for joining us on our season two uh, episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. Uh, we were really excited to have you here. I know it's taken a little bit of coordination to get our calendars lined up. I know that the last couple months have been extremely busy for everybody, specifically uh, Aggie entrepreneurs, as you are dealing with your uh, with the impacts of COVID on your company. But uh, really, just want to get to know you a little bit. So, can you tell us your favorite Aggie memory? I think my favorite Aggie memory has to do with one of the organizations that I was on while I was there, which was the Aggie Wranglers, the country western dance team for the university. And it's actually two different instances, but related to the same membership. One was performing for George and Barbara Bush at the dedication of the library and actually getting to meet them. And I've got a picture with them in front of all of us. And wow, that was cool. And then the other instance related to the same team was being hired and, and dancing on stage with Clay Walker at one of his concerts as a hired dancer at his Live Laugh Love tour. That is so good. Was, was that a concert in College Station or was it? It was actually a else? concert in the Woodlands close to Houston, but it was it was because he needed some dancers and he so he hired a few people that who were on the Aggie Wranglers. Wow, I love it. Hired not for much money, but <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah, but you got you got to, so so you got the backstage pass, and you got to see you know what it's like to to have a mega concert. That's right. I got to eat the food spread that he got to eat, and uh, I think some of his sweat slung off on everybody, but it was good <laughs> on it. stage. Oh, that's so awesome! So, can you tell us a little bit about your company and you know why you chose to start it? Sure. So, Clear Measure is a software architecture company that focuses on empowering our clients' development teams to be self-sufficient, to move fast, to deliver quality, to run their systems with confidence. And the, with the enormous growth in development, more, more and more companies have hired developers and are doing custom software in-house. But the vast majority of companies are not like Twitter, Facebook, Microsoft, or any of those companies that have massive IT organizations and have technology leadership and every role under the sun. They get into it and they have a some small number of developers and likely oftentimes managed by somebody who is maybe the VP of operations or in some cases the president of the company as opposed to a chain of software and IT leadership and and experienced technology managers. And so these clients have passionate, motivated developers and they want to get stuff done, but they need some help figuring out the right path to go forward or how to go about it. And so that's our focus is the architecture side, which architecture is essentially the strategy side of custom software is knowing what to do and then the mechanism, the sequence, the plan 
to actually make it happen. And through that, delightful just to, just to see our, our clients' development teams succeed and deliver world-class results. I started it. It was always a dream to run my own company ever since I was a teenager. So it was always there. But uh, I was fresh off of my... I was, I was uh, the president of another company that I didn't have any ownership of that, that did very similar space. It did, it did outsource projects. So it was different, but it was, in, it was in software and it was in professional services. And uh, I was fresh off of finishing my MBA at the Jack Welch Management Institute. And that education gave me confidence to go for it. Um, cool. I kind of rounded myself out with some accounting and financial education, whereas previously I'd focused 100% on the technology. And so it kind of rounded out my my business skills and I took the plunge, took out a lot of debt and went for it. That is so cool. You and I had a similar situation in Mays during 2001, uh, but I think it was radically different. I had my first C++ programming class mm-hmm. and that was one of the only Q drops that I ever used. No. Q dropped it and changed my major within a week. I was like, nope, I think I'll go to management. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> Yeah, and as soon as I got into the uh, computer classes, I started making the dean's list, which was not <laughs> what happened for the other stuff. Uh, it, it's amazing when when you find that you are pa- you're passionate about something, and when you find what you're uniquely created and gifted for, then magic things happen. So that that is that is so amazing. Well, Jeffrey, it sounds like you you do a lot of things. Uh, obviously, working with a lot of different companies, and we'll kind of get into any industry focus a little bit later. But COVID has impacted every business and the the subsequent um, shelter in place and work from home and just kind of working through all that. How have you seen? How have you seen your business challenged? through the last couple months because of this? And do you have any hacks or how are you overcoming those challenges? Well, I'm convinced that God positioned us for being okay during this season. Uh, Last April of 2019, we made the decision to go 100% remote. And we had a office space in Austin, but through the course of the previous years, we had hired a bunch of people that weren't even in Texas. And so only a, a minority, a smaller number of the company that happened to be in the Austin area was in that office just because they happened to be there. And you know, some of the people said, hey, other people, quote, get to work from home. Can we work from home one day a week? And we got to thinking like, shoot, what's the difference? We're paying this money for office space. To, does it really give us a competitive advantage to get a certain subset of people who live in this city. Uh, and so we, we decided no. And so we, we subleased it and we just went to 100% remote instead of 80% remote, which it wasn't a big shift. But I guess for 11 months before, before COVID hit, that's kind of what we did 100% of the time. And so from a physicality perspective, there was no change. Now, for people working from home, the big change was they're used to being home alone. Well, now their kids are home. And so that was an adjustment for, you know, for those individuals. And everybody has a different, you know, different home office setup. I think one person has a, a, a shed in their yard, but the other people are, are like, okay, during the day I take over I take over this corner of the living room or something. And so, you know, we have to make different adjustments. Uh, now, the big thing is that, you know, we were planning for growth, growth trajectory. And of course, that didn't happen. But we haven't had to lay off a single person. Congratulations. That's all God's provision right there. That's not any business prowess or anything. You know, the sales pipeline dries up. 
Um, we have basically everything that we had in the sales pipeline. They still want to do, but everybody's on hold. So it's like, okay, everything's stalled. And that was a you know pucker factor. But at the same time, our current clients have continued to do well and we've done more work for our current clients. And so we've kept our staffing calendar full. So that's, that's the long and the short of it. However, client visits and all kinds of stuff, I would get on an airplane about maybe once a month and do something. And then we, have, we do have lots of, lots of clients in Texas and drive and, and haven't done any of that. Every, like literally everything has been packed into the video calls and so our work density has actually increased, which actually makes the workday more intense because it, everything's just just back to back. There's absolutely no days where you get in a car and maybe you go across town or whatnot. Yep. And so I think that over this these past few months, I've actually worked harder than the previous <laughs> the previous quarter just because of the work density. That's a great way. I mean, I, I I've never put it in that way, but uh, working from home. It like I work throughout the day personally, and then whenever six o'clock or five thirty or whenever I'm done, I mean I'm just walking out of our spare bedroom. Mm-hmm. But it's like a switch happens, and it's like I'm just powered down, and I don't remember being as tired when I was going into the office. So that that's a really really great observation. So so I got I got two follow up questions. One, so when you said that your pipeline dried up or it was put on hold. Mm-hmm. And so did did that just cause you to lean more into the ones that you were doing active projects with? Did you go to ones that it may be customers that you knew were in sectors that weren't as impacted and try to kind of jumpstart that because cat you know, cash flow is king. Cash is king, cash flow is queen. You gotta have that. So how did you loosen up that pucker factor? Well, the net new clients slowed down big time. And and none of them has said, "Hey, we're out." <laughs> Literally, a hundred percent of them have said, "We're still interested. We just we can't do anything yet. We're we're not getting a budget approval. We're just not doing anything yet." And so we, they're still there in the pipeline. They're just not moving. But our existing clients have had new projects, have extended projects, and our clients have have been successful. Our clients have not gone out of business. Our clients have not had to you know, radically downsized. So that's, and I got to give credit to my leadership team who have just done a phenomenal job at managing because we did go through, uh, I mean, just like any business would go through and, and cut any expense that's absolutely not necessary, get lean, give yourself more, more dry powder, more flexibility. So I think every business has done that. During all this COVID mess, right? What's changed? What hasn't changed? Really, how has your organization changed due to specifically due to COVID? How, how has it developed and, and moved and changed and, and all that kind of stuff? I think that we've gotten happier. I think that the mood of the employees has become happier because b- before there was zero unemployment pretty much. And especially in the technology space, you know, everybody, we, we have good people, but everybody's getting hit up with recruiters who are sowing the seeds of, hey, maybe you'd be happier somewhere else. And maybe, you know, what are the things wrong with your current situation? And this hit, and you hear the stories all over of companies shutting down and people being laid off. And certainly there's been plenty of developers who have been laid off. Uh, we had an emergency staff meeting and we, we said, hey, look, in the last week, our whole sales pipeline has completely frozen. We don't know what's going to happen. We're immediately starting 
cost cutting. We need your help with that. Anything that can be deferred, anything that be trimmed down, we need to get lean. And we're also, we're, we need to see what, what help can we give our current clients who already trust us. Um, we had our senior project manager step up to do that role of kind of making the rounds with the clients and just figuring out you know, what, what work that they had. And it was a kind of a stressful meeting. But at the end of that meeting, people started making comments and popping up that how much they have appreciated, quote, management, being honest and transparent with them when they had already heard stories of, oh, surprise, a third of you are laid off. Oh, surprise, you don't have a job. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of people have worked at a company that has had layoffs and they've done it poorly. And certainly people who cut staff just in this season, well, invariably, there's been plenty of people who've done it poorly. And regardless of the business decision that you have to make, it's important to treat people with love. And for us, I mean, if, if half of our customers just went away instantly and they dried up or like if, if all of our customers were in the restaurant business or industries that were hugely impacted, well, that's reality. But a lot of managers translate that into, you know, sitting on information for too long and then, okay, they know that they have to cut staff. And so then they hold on to that information and then surprise you're gone. Well, yeah. That's not loving. I mean, these are, these are people. And so we told them, it's like, look, and, and they know they're adults. Look, the reality is if all of our projects cancel, none of us have a job. But our commitment to you is we're going to tell you what we know. And we showed them the staffing plan charts. We showed them the sales pipeline. We showed them how long we had certain projects. We showed them that line graph that had a cliff dropping off of it if nothing else you know, filled in. Um, which is sobering, but we said, look, we're going to give you an update every week. And for the first few weeks, we gave them kind of the updates. And then we started seeing some of the fruits and extending. And so the line graph kind of elongated and, and, and stretched out and, and took some pressure off. But I think through that, I could just feel the mood of the company getting happier because maybe not absolutely secure in their job because who knows what could happen during that season. But that they weren't just going to get tossed to the curb, even if something bad did happen, because we actually care about them. Wow, that that transparency and the courage that it takes for the leadership team to be able, or, or management to be able to be open and honest and vulnerable with the staff. I think that that is that is something that is going to pay dividends for years to come. Because when everything's going fine, it's easy just to kind of bop along. When you're tested. When you have a difficult time, I mean, as you and I, as all three of us know, being in the military, it's not during garrison that that you you really see the the makings of of someone. It's when you're stressed, tired, hungry, afraid, and facing uncertainty. That Jeffrey, that is so cool. So congratulations to you, and I know you give all the credit to God and to your leadership team, but that's that is so heartwarming to to hear that. So we we talk a lot about we've mentioned a couple of different business books and how they impact and help entrepreneurs define themselves. Uh Jim Collins, one of my favorite authors, talks about having a BHAG, a big hairy, audacious goal, and how having having a place to go is critical for every business. What is Clear Measures BHAG? Uh has it changed since COVID? And if so, um, do you see it changing back? Well, it's only been what four months, so I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's don't been a hell of a four months, though. <laughs> Feels like years. So the goal has been the same, and it's been that way for a long time. And it's that uh, 
every developer on the planet is better because of us, regardless if they hire us, if they pay us any money, it doesn't matter. And we put out training resources, tools, all kinds of stuff that I know people are using and I don't even know who they are. So that's the goal. And there are, I think in the last seven years, the number of people developing software has doubled. So what that means is that people who 50% of the developers out there were not in the workforce seven years ago, just because of the growth rate. That's kind of what that means. It's not that people are getting out of the field. It's that we have seen a tremendous boom of growth. And so what that means is that a high percentage are getting their feet out under them and figuring out, and they're learning the same lessons that everybody learns at the beginning when they they get in the trade. And it very much is a trade and, and there's so much to learn And there's so much that vendors are coming out with and new innovations. And in a time of innovation, the 80-20 rule definitely applies where 20% of these innovations are actually going to be around and still be used 10 years from now and 80% of them are going to go by the wayside. So you got to have some type of judgment because there's no way that you can pour yourself into every single one of them. And that's the type of guidance we try to give as an architecture company. We want to make developers successful and deliver world-class results. And I think we've already tallied. We've made a positive impact on over 100,000 developers across 40 different countries. Um, that's just kind of estimating. That's not a metric we don't count, but just like, hey, are, are we making an impact? Are we, are, are we reaching people? Um, and that's where the books, the podcasts, the webinars, the architecture posters, uh, any kind of the onion architecture, all the different things we put out. We put that stuff out for free just because it helps people. I love that open-handedness. I love that speaking in and that that is one of the coolest hags I think that we've had on the show. What do you think, Chris? I love it also. I mean, you know, everyone's got to have some sort of altruism, you know, BHAG and, and mine is to help grow companies. And I think that's that's pretty awesome, actually. So this leads us into our lightning round. OK, here are the rules. You've got 30 seconds to answer the question. You ready? Ready. <laughs> All right. So what's your favorite hack? Uh, this could be technology, health, mindset, time, whatever. What's your favorite hack? It's a health hack. It's eat less frequently. I feel so much better. So for the last two years, I I've, I don't eat breakfast and I'm usually not even hungry at lunch. I just do it because of a habit. And I've, I think the longest I've ever fasted was three days, but just eat less frequently. Like today is a one meal day. I'm just going to eat supper. Monday was one meal day because we're not going to starve. And that's that. Super cool. Well, since you are a fellow podcaster, I'm going to tweak this one just a little bit. Here is where we can give a selfish plug to your uh, your podcast. But uh, what are two books, podcasts, albums, something that you're really digging into that our listeners should check out? You could read my latest book, which is .NET DevOps for Azure. This came out in November uh, for the developers out there. And the podcast that I host is the Azure DevOps podcast, www.azuredevops.show. But just regular resources, it's an old book, but a a good one. It's from Fred Brooks, and it's called The Mystical Men Month. And it's a collection of, of essays from somebody who was doing software and is still sharing knowledge, doing software back in 1959 and about the experience of all kinds of software projects over the decades um, on the things that change and the things that don't change. That's cool. What was, what was the name of the book again? The Mythical Man Month by Fred Brooks. We'll check it out. All right, cool. I love that. What's your challenge that you're currently facing and how can the Aggie Network help you? Well, the challenge I'm 
currently facing is kind of transitioning and promoting people up through the organization and raising people up for the next step in their leadership. I was a founder and the CEO and, and I've kind of moved into the chief architect role, but I'm on a journey of making sure that I'm not bottleneck or critical path for anything that needs to get done. Not that I'm working less, quite the contrary. I'm working harder than I ever have. But for the just the, the normal stuff, I want the, the organization to be able to function autonomously so that I can focus on kind of what the next trends are and, and keep that going. So that's a constant learning experience. I think we got the people to promote from within. Um, but at the same time, we're you know looking for our next architect. Is there any type of... So talk a little bit about that position. What is the, what is the perfect candidate that you're looking for now? So the, the, the software world has a pretty, pretty big divide uh, down the middle when you think about normal software development. And it, it's two different industries. Microsoft pretty much dominates one half of the industry. And then the other half is this consortium and amalgamation of a bunch of, of other vendors and a bunch of other technologies. It used to be Microsoft versus the LAMP stack, but it's kind of like Linux, Mac, AWS, and then some Java languages, JavaScript, and a bunch of others that are kind of fragmented, but then there's pockets of cohesiveness, and that's one half of the industry. Then the other half of the industry is Microsoft-based development technologies and the Azure Cloud and .NET and C Sharp. And we live on the Microsoft side. And in my opinion, it's more simple and it's much, definitely much more efficient. And we've seen less, less costs for the, for the customers, for the clients. However, from a talent perspective, when you see a resume, that person is definitely in one or the other. It, I've, I haven't seen a single person in my entire career who has equal depth in both. It just doesn't happen. They're that separate from one another. They're that separate, exactly. They're that separate. And so we're looking for a Microsoft platform architect, somebody who has been using Microsoft technologies for their entire, their entire long career. Invariably, they started you know, I started as an individual programmer on day one and I've gone through and they still have the joy of creating software that solves problems and makes people's lives better. And they just have that breadth of experience in not only the, the patterns and practices, but also the available technologies and, and techniques and ecosystem. Uh, I think that that last description is probably just as, as important as the first, if not more, uh, because you can probably bring someone up from the technical standpoint, but to, to come alongside your vision and how you guys operate at Clear Measure, that, that is so powerful. Having, having the right people in the right seats with the right attitude is going to make you go so, so far. So I'm hoping that we've got a couple good ags out there that are Microsoft architects and they're looking to uh, to join a dynamic, fast-growing company like yours, uh, how do they reach out to you? How do they get in touch with you? Oh, we're pretty easy to find. Just search for Jeffrey Palermo on Google and you'll find more. And you just ignore that YMCA YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Jeffrey at clear-measure.com is the email address. On Twitter, at Jeffrey Palermo. Yeah, I'm not, not hard to track down. Well, we appreciate you coming on and we really appreciate the time that you gave us here today. And is there anything else that you would like to tell the Aggie Entrepreneur Network at all? And anything goes here. Absolutely. There was one professor, the, the most influential professor that I had while I was in school. 
Um, his name was Mike Nat. But the funny part is the university didn't even recognize him as a professor. Didn't have a doctorate degree. He was a non-permanent lecturer. He had to this, the, the biggest impact. When I look at, okay, which professors do I even remember? So he was definitely the most impactful and he Why? knows it. Well, because he was so passionate about the field of study as opposed to just a job. And he had us do projects that were realistic projects, not academic projects. And you know, later in life, I guess you, you find out that most training is on the job training. So it's or no surprise that in the education system, the most effective education is on the job simulation as opposed to just regular you know, worksheets or different uh, exercises. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. So Jeffrey, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for being open-handed with your knowledge. I think that that's probably just with all the other content that you put out for your field and your BHAG that, that kind of is baked into your d- DNA. Uh, we're, we're really excited to connect. And um, is there anything that we can do to help serve or encourage you guys? I'll just keep doing, keep doing the podcast. I think this is helping people. It's good stuff. So how about that, Ags? That was what you call some good bull. There's some valuable hacks that Jeffrey shared with us. What was your favorite, Craig? Chris, I was really struck by Jeffrey's BHAG. And I love that it wasn't impacted by COVID at all. I love that it was to make every developer on the planet better. Whether it was a developer that they worked with or just uh, they were a developer that was impacted by all of the free content and education that he and his team put out and they provide. Both you and I agree that that sharing information and making the world a better place is is just good business. And I think that he really sees that and he is very passionate about making software developers, specifically Microsoft specific developers better at their jobs, more competent. And by doing that, he is helping other businesses, helping individuals. And that truly is an uh, amazing BHAG. And to be able to impact over 100,000 developers in 40 countries in the short time that his company's been around, that really warmed my heart when we were having the conversation. What about you? So I 100% agree with you. I mean, that's to me, he's the Gary V of the development world. He's putting out all this content that for free, I mean, and really for me, my biggest takeaway from that was treat people with love. I mean, it's so simple, but very few businesses actually approach business that way. And I love it. I just absolutely love that that at the core of the company, at the core of who he is, that he wants to make sure that everyone has love, right? And that he is treating people around him, treating his customers, treating his employees, treating everyone with love. I mean, it's, it's just, that is an amazing tact and, a, and an amazing core that Jeffrey has. And I, I love, love, love it. It's just amazing to me. And I think that that came through in that story that he was telling about how he, he had the emergency staff meeting and was very upfront and honest with everybody and said, look, I, I love you guys. And I'm going to have a difficult conversation that didn't make it any easier. But I think that the outcome of that, the fact that he says that his staff is more happy through COVID, I think that directly is on him and his management and his leadership. Team. Absolutely. Because how can you be happy with all this mess? I mean, it's not that that a lot of people are not happy, but I think what this whole COVID season 
right, has has taught us in 2020 and in general has taught us is that we have to be happy at what we're doing. We have to be happy with who we're with. We need to be happy with our current situation. And I agree. That is a huge testament to Jeffrey and his business and clear measure that that spreading love is what we're on this planet for. And I, I love, love, love that. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. Chris and I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you'll leave us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you found us. That'll help us uh, get boosted up and we'll actually share the episode and the podcast with other people. Be sure to check us out on our website at www.aggiegrowthhacks.com where you can hear all about this episode. You can connect with us. We'd love to hear your favorite hacks and maybe we'd feature you on a future episode. Aggie Growth Hacks was produced by Kyle Ackerman and Ben Wiggins with Podcast Architects. We also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a entrepreneur, head over to their website to find a program that's right for you. Just search up the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship in Google and head over there right now. So join us next time when we connect with other great Aggie entrepreneurs and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Until next time, thanks and gig them.